Hey guys, welcome back. Okay, so this is like the second part of the um, Tunisia episode. Okay, so um, the last um, part of the episode, I stopped at at the role of Libya. Yeah, at the role of Libya in terms of the rise of um, radical Islam in um, Tunisia. And okay, to st- to start this um, part of, I guess I'll I'll um, give a interesting fact. I I suppose. Okay, so on on seventh March twenty sixteen, ISIS militants attempted to conquer the Tunisian border town of Ben Gerden by activating sleeper cells, who were joined by ISIS operatives from Libya. So um, the attack showed painstaking planning that combined an assault on security forces with strate- strategic communication with local residents to explain and justify their presence. Um, don't worry, we are the Islamic State. We are here to protect you from this non-believer government. Th- they were reported as saying this on the city's loudspeaker. Although the takeover of the town failed, it further strengthened the Tunisians' perception that foreign fighters' activities surpassed um, local terrorists in dangerousness, uh, in danger, and lit- um, yeah, basically, um, you know, it it really shows that you know the foreign um, foreign forces, I suppose, the foreign forces in. Um, in Tunisia actually played um, a major role in in terrorism in Tunisia. For the first time, a foreign terrorist group had attempted to occupy Tunisian soil for the purpose of establishing a jihadi province. Yeah. Okay, so um okay. Now I'll be talking about efforts by the government to combat um, the rise of radical radical Islam in Tunisia. So first, they um, appointed imams in mosques that escaped the control um, the control of the authorities, and they closed down um, Islamic charities with um, links to terrorism, and 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 they also declare the Ansar al-Sharia group as a terrorist organization. Okay, so some of these measures you know, have, have reduced recruitment possibilities for terrorist organizations. Yet at the same time, to firm a grip on the religious sphere could be counterproductive. That's something that we need to keep in mind. And also the government uh, considered the establishment of a, re- of a reintegration program for returnees through an amnesty program which the Tunisia Interior Ministry described, described as a forgiveness and repentance, repentance law. Pre- this was previously enacted in countries like Algeria and Italy. Um, and basically it will be a it will be applied to any Tunisian who does not have blood on his hands. Okay, so this is what the minister said. But this 
this um, initiative did not gain traction and um, you know the and then the foreign minister um, explained that the government would not accept a pardon political accountability and then the and then the president of Tunisia um, also um, you know at first he said that um, the Tunisian constitution guarantees the right of return to all Tunisians but later on he backtracked this and declared that a um, repentance law for returnees was not an option yeah so basically you know people were not happy with with that plan yeah mm, all right so and then the <coughs> this um you know the various terrorist attacks in 2015 you know they led to governments enhancing um police police powers in the name of security um in tunisia so in 2015 after the the mass shooting in in source I, i'm not really sure how to pronounce that but i so, so <laughs> sorry and you know the parliament passed a counterterrorism law that allows authorities to detain terrorism uh, or rather to detain terrorist suspects without charges and without a lawyer for 15 days and then yeah so um, I guess that's 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 kind of um, controversial, I suppose, you know, among among the human rights group, because, yeah, I mean, um, basically the the state is allowed to detain anyone without charges, and without a lawyer for fifteen days. No, I'm not really sure how they're gonna do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure it's it's um it but it violates our human rights also. Yeah, but anyway. Um, 90, 90, around 95% of foreign fighter returnees have either been arrested immediately upon arrival or placed under su surveillance. And some returnees are imprisoned for months without receiving a trial, while others are released after being interrogated for only a short period of time. You know, suggesting that the government's approach is sometimes arbitrary and haphazard. Yeah, I guess that that's a bit weird in the sense that, um, you know, um, some receive you know, a very long sentence, but some are just you know released after after a short period of time. That that's a bit weird. And then, um, um, only a minority of returnees. Around thirty-five percent of them are sentenced to prison, um, and a number of you know of these uh, foreign fighters might have returned undetected and um, remained outside the outside the radar um, of the authorities. Yeah. So that this this part is to me is, is a bit concerning because I guess it shows that I've. Uh, the government approach um, or rather I, d I do feel like 
I don't feel like the government is taking it seriously yeah because of the fact that you know some some returnees are uh, are not sentenced to jail or they are not they are just let go you know this this part is concerning to me you know even if they do not want to sentence them or send them to jail um, they should be put under surveillance um, definitely you know for for uh, for for a period of time at least and basically in Tunisia there is there are no um de-radicalization programs. Yeah. So so you know when when these terrorists return to to Tunisia, they are probably they are probably still um radicalized. They probably still, you know, have um this radical view of Islam and they are basically a danger to this to society. Yeah. And when they are just let go like that by the government, you know, it, it presents a threat. They present a threat to the society, to the people of Tunisia. Yeah, so, you know, that, that, that part, um, the government really need, need to do something about it. Um, okay, I guess, okay, so we are reaching the end of, of the episode. And so now, I guess I'll I'll talk about um, you know some parts of the approach that the government has taken. So I feel like there is still a lack of preventive measures implemented by the government. So um, one problem that Tunisia um, has faced in um, has faced and has been facing in the last couple of years is um, economy. You know. Tunisia has never been known as an economic powerhouse, yeah. But basically, you know, after the Arab um, Arab Spring, um, Arab Arab countries, um, and Tunisia included, they are struggling economically. Yeah, and this part is, I guess, is a contributor to the rise of radical. Radical um, Islam and the rise of um, uh, the rise of people uh, moving to Syria to you know to to be foreign fighters there is because um, because it is because of the lack of economic opportunities in Tunisia you know so basically um, this is. This part is is something that the government has to to um, to try to solve because even even if the government introduce say um, de-radicalization programs or even more preventive measures to prevent people from um, going to fight to Syria, if the pro- the economic problem is not resolved. Um, there, there will still be a lot of, there will still be a lot of young people who will be attracted to, to move abroad. Some will move abroad. Some will be radicalized, and um, will want to move to Syria or Iraq. And yeah, you know that economic problem needs to be solved first by, by the government.
and again like like what what I've said before, there is still a lack of de deradicalization deradicalization effort by the government. You know, because um as we all know, ISIS has collapsed and a lot of its fighters are now stranded in in Syria, in Iraq and they are waiting um for the green light from their government to return to the countries and um at the end of the day Tunisia still has to accept these people because because um they are their citizens, you know. And once they return the government needs to introduce this um uh, introduce de radicalization um uh, policies. Yeah. Because without these policies when this you know, when these terrorists return they will they will spread their ideology and this will only lead to you know lead to a, an increase in popularity of um, radical islam in in tunisia so you know to to prevent this from happening pre to prevent the problem from you know getting worsened um the government definitely needs to do something about it you know and because from what we see here there is still lack of effort by the government yeah so that's what i hope the tunisian government um will do um very soon because um because the fighters will will return to tunisia very very soon yeah okay i think that's all i have for this episode okay stay tuned for the next part of the series okay Bye.